Welcome to the Sonship Life. Here we come one more, one more utterance, one more layer of un, of of un, unveiling, of unveiling truth, really. And so we'll put our eyes on the Word and allow the Word to communicate truth to us. We have been talking about casting our care on the Lord. We have been talking about really, do not worry about your life. Last week was. Do not trouble your heart. Let not your heart be troubled. And um, right in, in, in the middle of all of it, as we were talking over the last, I'd say, three to four Sundays, uh, we always touch on the, the truth that we are supernatural. We always touch upon, especially last Sunday, I talked about being a new creation once again to bring forth to, to our forefront of understanding of how we see ourselves. We're not just mere flesh and blood having a natural moment, a natural fluster, natural experience, a natural navigation of life. No, we are supernatural. We are born again. And as children of God, we have this privilege to know that through this new birth, we have great overcoming. We have a victory. We have a power to resist. <laughs> power to resist worry, power to resist trouble, power to, to resist cares. Because on the other side of it, should we just kind of wallow in worry, wallow in cares, there is a destruction, there is a devour, there is, there is nothing good found in worry. And uh, let's go to 1 Peter 5. I don't even think over the last four weeks I actually read this verse. I believe God had tucked it aside for right now today because my title comes from here that he gave me. Actually, he gave me this title a couple of weeks ago, and I was waiting for when it was going to be fitted in. And so this morning I knew today is the day. The title is Cast Your Care on the One Who Cares. Cast your care on the one who cares. And, you know, I, as I say that statement, of course, I think of a verse comes to, to my mind is do not throw your pearls before swine. Meaning we're so quick to share our cares with another. We, we're so quick to come let me tell you my woes. Come let me tell you how the devil's beating me up. Come let me tell you the trouble has assailed my weary heart. Come let me tell you how bad off I am. I'm slugging it up for Jesus. Come let me tell you how high this persecution is. See, there is a place of, of, of sharing with one another and thus carrying each other's burden and fulfilling the law of Christ. But so often we just leave it with mere flesh and blood and forget to cast our care on the one who cares for us. To throw off this, this, this to disrobe this worry, anxious mind. Say, no, I have a new mind. I have the mind of Christ. I am born again. I am from above and I have overcome every moment. And so I refuse to trouble my heart. I refuse to worry. I refuse to take on the snare to devour me. First Peter 5 is very clear that we do live in a very spiritual climate. We have an adversary. We have an adversary. And it's not your spouse nor your best friend. No, the kitties in your home. The devil. 
the devil. Let's go to First Peter 5, where let's start. Mm. Right after he instructs, Peter is instructing about shepherding the, the flock to the elders to shepherd the flock of Christ, to serve as overseers, willingly to do so, being examples to the flock. In verse 5, he, he moves and he says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility and be clothed with humility. We're not talking about being clothed with false humility. We're being clothed with Christ. For he so humbled himself that died the death of a cross on the cross. So when I read this verse, but be clothed with humility, I, I don't have to go in the little corner and figure out what humility is. I just have to look at the one who is meek and lowly, my master, Jesus. How did he walk on earth? Was he, was he cowardly? Was he, was he prideful? It, it, it's showing everyone what he does, the miracle worker that he is. What, was, he, was he seeking a following in terms of a, the crowds and, and, and going where the crowds are just for an accolade to his own self? No, no. So when we, we read here, be clothed with humility, it's to do with submission. That's why he says, be submissive to one another. Be submissive to one another. And so we continue because that's not really my message, but it's part of it. It's a, it's a key po a point. Resi God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so because we're to clothe in humility, here we see that because of this humility that we've put on Christ, great grace is upon us to walk life in victory. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. So it's not about exaltation, but it's about who exalts you. Let God exalt you. This is it, verse 7. Casting all your care. And that comes from that word worry. All your anxiety, all your worries upon him. Casting all your cares upon him. Casting all your anxiousness of mind upon him. Casting all this fearful and, 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 and um, evil forbearance upon him. This, 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 this intense moment that sometimes we can um, find ourselves in of, of this anticipation of something going amiss. No, no, nothing is going to go amiss. We are of God. We have overcome every potential of anything going amiss. We are not to trouble ourselves with the fears of the world and try to figure out how, if something goes this way, the negative way, how am I going to come out of it? My expectation is to see God alone. My expectation is to be truly living this life that is of Him, unto Him, so that I don't have to worry about my tomorrow. 
Because tomorrow, the word of God says, has enough trouble of its own. So why worry? And that's what humility looks like. Casting all of your care upon him, for he cares for you. For he cares for you. He has great affection towards you. He loves us. He loves us. And his plan for us is not to destroy us. His plan for us is to conform us to Christ. And this fashioning that is of the Spirit in our life is one that looks like a continual picking up of our cross daily. Daily. So we be yielded to the working of the Spirit daily. And it's as simple as really casting your care upon him. You're not the master of your life. You're not, you're not the overseer of your soul. He is. And not only is he your master and the overseer of your soul and the great shepherd to your life, but he cares for you. He's a tender shepherd towards you today. And this really, this the love of God that comes right before the mentioning of the devil and the destruction is really important. Because when we entrust ourselves on him, God, who is love, loves us. He loves us. Then I'm clothed with this humility of Christ. Who is he? Who is Christ? He is the word made flesh. Then at that moment, because I've refused an anxious mind, I've cast my care on God. At that moment, I'm fully yielded to the work of the Spirit. I'm yielded to the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Because we can't yield to fear and torment and figure out how to come out of torment and be yielded to the working of the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You see, the Word of God is from above and the anxiety is from below. And through our new birth, we are born from above. And we have forsaken the below. So our struggles, our struggles come to naught when we recognize our new creation that is from above. That is fully loved by God who has overcome all already through that cross when he died on the cross and cried out, it is finished. Complete. Done. So now my identification, my reality, my know of who I am, my working relationship with, with life, can I say, it is from above. It's from above. 
child of God. A child of God. And a child of God casts all of the, these lower cares, the one to ensnare our walk by, by entangling our feet and paralyzing us in fear. To hold us back from serving the living God. So we're navel gazing. Worry, worry, worry. Worry, worry, worry. How can this have gone this way? Why did it not go another way? Oh, worry, worry, worry. And God says, we're to behold the one who's gone before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith. I'm speaking it. I'm speaking it to all of us. Don't lose sight that he cares for you. And that you're to cast this anxiousness of thought, this care on him. Because if you don't, uh, there's a working of a devourer that is lurking, lurking, waiting to pounce and destroy you. Just like that. Just like that to annul the work of the Lord through you. Just like that through taking on a care simple and as complex as that is. Verse 8 is very clear. After he talked about casting our care on the Lord, well, of course, submitting one to another, he assigns roles for the elders to, to oversee the flock of God by being an example, but by, by, by not lording it over them and, and being dis, working for dishonest gain, but being eager to serve the flock of God and being a good example of Christ to them. Then he moves on to the younger. To submit to the elders, to the ones that are examples of Christ, to them. And then he goes further, be submissive one to another. Why? Because we're part of the body of Christ. We are jointly fitted together in this glorious creation of the church. Of the firstborn. The church of God. And that is how we stay clothed with humility. Because to the one that's clothed with humility, grace is given. Grace to overcome. Grace to see straight and to know how to navigate out of every snare. Grace is given. But the proud is resisted by God himself. By God himself. Verse 6 again. Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty, mighty hand of God. That to me looks like a submission to his word. That he may exalt you in due time. Casting, and then this is to me then verse 7 is an explanation of what it looks like to humble myself to him. Casting all you care upon him, for he cares for you. Verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant. The strongs, I believe, the sober word he translates, be sober-minded. 
Be sober-minded. Don't be overcome by this stupor, this, 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 this milk warm, this, this nothing, nothing repulsive form of expression of Christianity. That Jesus said, I wish you the hot or cold. This in the middle of the state of lukewarmness is spits out, spits out. Religiosity, false humility, pretense. Pride and arrogance. But be sober-minded. Be vigilant. Be watchful. Be alert. Be alert. Be alert. Be alert. Be alert. Be watchful. Do you know what that looks like to me? I am mindful of that which pulls me. Of desires that want to speak to me and lead me. And I bring them all to the submission of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the Word of God. I fight the good fight of faith by bringing every thought that is so lofty and so prideful at times. To the obedience of Christ. That it truly be no longer I who lives. But he who lives in me. Why are we to be watchful? Why be sober minded? This is beyond drinking wine. Uh, if you want to excuse your wine drinking. You don't need to talk to me about it. There's no way you can excuse it to me. So clear, be sober, the word of God says. Have a sound mind that you do possess the mind of Christ. We are in the last hour. Not the time to fold your little hands and to just chill a little. Yes, we are to walk in the rest of faith. And yes, God does want us to rest this body. But still he commands us to be sober, to be vigilant, because we have an adversary. Because we have an adversary, a spirit that's opposed to the Christ spirit within you. The devil is a spirit and you can't see him. You can't see him. You can't see him. Before you know it, if you've yielded to certain appetites that have not been brought under that cross obedience, reckoning my men dead in Christ, the old man, crucified in Christ, before you know it, you just with a blink of an eye, you caught yourself somewhere you're not supposed to be. Just like that. Because you have an adversary. Or catching yourself. Because it's the primary, really, what I'm about to say. Having spent the whole day worrying. 
the whole day worrying. And just doing nothing about it. Not resisting it. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your opponent, that word is, you have an opponent, do you know that? Someone that's against you 24-7. Someone whose mind is filled with destructive plans against you. Someone who wants to destroy you. An opponent. Who in Christ is already defeated, but he is crafted through deception. And if you choose to not cast your care, you are about to be devoured. The devil walks about like a roaring lion, like a roaring lion. Lies, lies, lies. What you going to do about it, Desi? What you going to do now, Desi? Oh, and some are so stuck on reputation. What are they going to think about you, Desi? What are they going to say about you, Desi? Really? That that's supposed to have a say-so? And overrule what God has said about me? That he cares for me? That he loves me? That he's for me? Because he's for me, who can be against me? That I'm born from above? That I'm a child of God? That I overcome everything that's found in this world? Say what? But those are true, true roars of Satan. And we all have witnesses of the flesh. That if they're not silenced, they'll lead us and will believe the roar. And that's how that devour happens. Because his purpose for this roaring devour is to seek whom he may devour. This roaring, this intimidation, it's coming against you. I can't be bold. They're going to persecute me. I can't be bold. I can't talk about Jesus. No, I'm going to lose my job. I can't talk about Jesus. No, they're not going to like me. I'm going to lose my company, my friends. Tentacles that want to control us and, and, and silence us. These are roars of Satan, by the way. They have only one purpose. To destroy you. And here you are, you little old you, little young you, whoever you are. Think you're going to preserve your little li life. Preserve my little life. I'm not going to talk about Jesus. I'm going to preserve my little life. What does Jesus say? The one that chooses to preserve their lives will lose it. Will lose it. It's a given. And there's no in between, maybe. You choose to preserve your life, you will lose your life. But should you choose to lose your life for him, you're gaining him. You're gaining life. And there's no devourer there in his life. Last week we talked about being in the vine. Abiding in the vine. There's no devourer in the vine. Only life. Eternal life. Verse 9 tells us to resist him. Resist him. That's why be sober and be vigilant. Because you are to resist him. The one that is seeking to devour you. The one that's been roaring in your ear all day long at times. You're going down. It's over. 
He tells, no, I'm not. No, no, I'm from above. Far above where he is, I am. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So you're not the only one going through this. All of us are in this moment of resisting him steadfast in the faith. You cannot be steadfast in the faith, resisting Satan and worrying at the same time. You can't be worrying about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. And be steadfast in the faith. You can't be. There's nothing reasonable about worrying. There's no excuse for keeping a care before God. You cannot stand and excuse why you had to worry. When it's so clear that you choose to do so, you will be destroyed. John 10. Actually, I had looked up that word, resist him. Steadfast. That word steadfast is you got to stand firm in your faith. There's no wavering in your resisting him steadfast in the faith. It's the word steros, which is from, which is, it means solid, firm, steadfast, stable. You're stable in this hour, standing on the rock of the word of God. You're standing strong in the word. You're resisting steadfast in the faith. Solid, firm. Referring to what is immovable. <laughs> will not budge. Not budge. Not changeable. Standing fast without buckling or giving way under pressure. I love that word. So today when we talk about cast your care on the one who cares for you, really we're talking about being steadfast in the faith. Being immovable, not budging under the pressure and the lies of the devil. John 10, 10. Hey, hey, John 10, 10. There's such truth in John 10, 10. Jesus being the door of the sheep. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Which means if, if, if we're not entering through Jesus, we'll not be saved. If anyone enters by me, we'll, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Verse 10, the thief... This is the adversary, your opponent, Satan, the devil, does not come except, except he only comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Satan only comes, his singularity of mission, there's only one mission 
destruction that looks like stealing, killing, and destroying. But Jesus says, I have come, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So the one we yield our minds to, as to what we meditate on a daily basis, is the one that we are really serving. That we, really we are yielding the members of our bodies to. So should we be fretful all day long? Anxious of mind? We are really serving the thief. Who has come to do what? To steal what from you? The word of God. So you can't then resist him steadfast in the faith because there's no faith without the word of God because faith comes through the word of God. So what is he after? The word that has been sown into your heart. He's after the word of God. The greatest treasure that you put in this body, in this body, is the word of God. That's what he's after. Make you give up. Spit out the word of God. It's not working for me. Well, did you put the word to work when it says don't worry? Cast to care on him because he cares for you. You have an adversary, be sober-minded. Be vigilant. Do you allow the word to navigate your thought process? Because should we meditate on the wrong side that we were just told not to worry, then we are really wide open to the thief. That comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But when we meditate the word of God, glory be to God, that's of us. That's going to be said of us. When we meditate the word of God that he is for me, I'm a new creation. I resist Satan steadfast in the faith. I meditate the truth of the word of God. Then I'm living in the abundance of his life. Let's go to Mark. We've read some of these verses here now. Mark 4, the parable of the sower of the word explained. What is Satan after? Why the purpose of the roar? So Jesus, verse uh, four, Mark 4, verse 13. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? I Meaning this is a principal parable. This is a core parable. The sower sows the word. The sower sows the word. Jesus only sows the word. That, that can preach a big message. The soul sows the word. So often we, anyway, I'm not going to go there. That's fine. The soul sows the word. And those, these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown, where the word is sown. When they hear, say, when they hear that word sown, the ones by the wayside, 
The ones by the wayside, they think they're right on the right path, but by the wayside they are. They hear the word that Jesus sows in their hearts. What happens? Satan comes immediately. You have an immediate opposition. As soon as you hear the word of God as you're hearing now, there will be an immediate response from Satan, and it usually is cares. Worry. Gossip. They don't like me. Get a phone call. Do you know what they said about you? Who cares? When they hear the word sown, Satan comes immediately and takes away, takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness. They show some exuberance immediately. But what happened? They have no root in themselves. And so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake. It comes always for the word's sake. That's because it's so pretty or so ugly or so this or so that. We can blame natural. Even just the other day, I caught myself in a conversation. My husband lined me up. He says, stop looking at natural events to determine why this is happening. It's spiritual. I was corrected. Satan. Rebuke Satan. Withstand him steadfast in the faith. Withstand Satan steadfast in the faith is the only way you conquer it. The only way you overcome, come out of a moment, is by withstanding Satan steadfast in the faith. What does it mean? I build myself up with the word of God. I meditate the word of God. I eat this bread. Chomp, chomp, chomp. I eat this bread. I eat this bread. I eat the word of God. I eat the word of God. I abide in the word and the word richly abides in me. Just like that. Verse 18. Oh, sorry. 17. They have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time and afterward when Tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake. Immediately they stumble. I, I just wanted to read that word stumble. I'll, I'll, I'll read a few more verses here, but I'll come back to this word stumble. Immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things entering in, they enter in, you've taken it in, they choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But the ones that are sown on good ground, those are those who hear the word, accept it. What makes you good ground is you accept the word. You believe the word without an if or but or, or or another little idea, yeah, but in this case, it's a little bit different. Yeah, but in today's society, it's a bit, yeah, but yeah. Oh, shut up, shut up, shut up. Why would we want to negate the truth of the word of God? 
And I speak that to my own flesh, my own carnal ways that I'm to bring down daily. Yeah, but, you know, you know, you want to maneuver out of it. No, agree with the word of God. If it says come out from among them, you come out from among them. All the naysayers, all the doubters, all the unbelievers, all the experienced seekers. One more experience with Jesus. Oh, my dear. I, I uh, got to be careful what I say. Jesus sows the word. What does Jesus do in your life? He sows the word in your life. He says, if you don't understand this parable, you will not understand the other parables. The one of the good steward that was given what was given. The minors, the gifts, the talents. It's all tied to this grace that is found in the word of God. The ones that have clothed them with humility. Grace is given to. To overcome and not stumble. The ones, let's go back to 20, verse 20. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it. They accept it. Yes, sir. Yes, Lord. It is so. Yes, Lord. Let this word cut off that wrong appetite. Yes, Lord. Let this word convict my heart. Yes, Lord. And then they bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And some 100. In uh, Matthew 26, back to the word stumble I want to look at. Verse 31. This is the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, the Passover. They had with his disciples. Verse 31. Well... Let's, 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 let's read 26 because it's so powerful. I love reading communion. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it. The context of his words are very important. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, take, eat. This is my body. And he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many, for the remission of sins, for the forgiveness of sins. Take the cup of the blood of the new covenant, the blood of Christ, for the forgiveness of sin that you know your conscience is, is fully persuaded that you are a cleansed vessel, that his word has made me clean, 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 clean. And no one can call me unclean if my master has called me clean. This is the ultimate silencing of condemnation. Of never feeling like you've done it right. 
He's done it right. I identify with his righteousness, his rightness. Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And then they sang a hymn and they went out to the Mount of Olives and look at the very next capturing of the word of God. And Jesus said to them, the one who just said, eat of my flesh, this bread. The living word just said to them, eat of me, drink of my blood. The next moment captured here by the Holy Ghost, penned through Matthew is Jesus saying to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I'll strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've been raised, I'll go before you in Galilee. But my focus here is all of you will be made to stumble because of me. And that's what we read with the parable of the sower sows the seed of the word of God. That this always, this devour, this stealing, this killing, this destroying comes for the taking of the word of God. For the, for the entrance that has just given you life, which is the word of God, Satan wants to extinguish that light right away. And it's not because of your giftings or because of this. It is always on the count of the word of God. Sometimes, you know, you hear, well, I was raised this way. And so I got, you know, it's my portion of life, you know, this and that and something else. And out comes the. It's just a whole scroll of things gone, disarranged why they did. But realizing, if you're born again and have read the word, Satan is after that word that's hitting your heart. So he can destroy you. And he will use that which is familiar to you. Yes, the way you're raised up, you use familiar things that are common to you. But we now have the resurrected King of glory who lives in us. And in John 16, let's go to John 16, that has given us now life through his words. So we don't have to let go of the word of God that's hidden in my heart. The number one way we let go of his word is by worrying. So we don't have to be devoured by taking on the care. But we hold on to the word of God. Jesus in John 16, 1 says, These things I've spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. That you should not be made to stumble. So let's look at this word stumble. Where am I? In Mark 4, 17, when we first read it there, that Strong's verse reads, 
but they themselves have no root and they remain for only a season when trouble or persecution comes because of the word because of the word always see it it's coming because of the words so then you know what do you do you just dig in your heels in the word you continue to abide in the words you take up that shield of faith and extinguish that assault on your mind they quickly fall away. The verse continues. That word, they quickly fall away, is that word stumble that Jesus used here in John 16, 1, that he also, uh, we just read in Matthew 26, that on account of him, they'll be made to stumble. And it's this word, 4624, scandalizo. It is to put a snare in the way, Hence, to cause to stumble, to give offense. So often we are so we have uh, thought of in terms of just being in, uh, having heard many Christian messages, and we think of offense, of course, being the ultimate snare of Satan. He'll throw offense through someone, and we take the offense, and then we're ensnared. And that word, of course, offense is is this word, scandalizo, like a um, a stumbling block being put in, in front of us so we can't progress further in the things of God. The word study of this word scandalizo is, is to set a snare, a stumbling block, to hinder right conduct or thought, to hinder right conduct or thought, to cause to stumble, literally to fall into a trap. And so when we take the care, when the enemy dishes what he can, uh, the deceitfulness of riches, one way we sow in Mark, he does it. When we, when trouble arises, persecution arises against us, and we take the care of it, what are we doing? We are, we are actually taking a thought that will disunify this one as we have with Christ. Worry. And I looked at the word worry, talked about being, being, um, um, divided. Divided, distracted into many parts. What am I saying? What I'm saying is cast your care on the one who cares for you because on the other side is a great devourer. In um, Luke, what does he, how does he bring it about? The parable of the sower. Luke 8, I believe. Verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God that the sower sows, right? Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts. Lest they should believe and be saved. Lest they should believe and be saved. That looks like lest they withstand him steadfast in the faith. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a while and in time of temptation, they, and in time of temptation fall away. 
Now the one that fell among thorns are those who, when they heard, go out, they go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, bringing no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word, with a noble and good heart, with a humble heart, a submitted heart to God, who accept the word without wanting a way out of it. They keep it and they bear fruit with patience. I really wanted to bring this side of the story. That it's not just about having a stress-free life, these messages. It's not about, you know, don't worry so you'll be happy. Which, of course, you will be happy when you don't worry because you trust God. It's not just, you know, uh, care gives you wrinkles. You know, you, you think, think, think too much anxious mind. No. It's against youthfulness. No, it's not that, that, that I want to communicate. What I want to communicate is that Satan's number one tool is exactly this. Anxiousness of mind. A troubled mind. A worrisome thought. That at that moment... Stops it is that snare that stops the right thinking, the thought, the mind of Christ. And it takes you, it veers you off course. Out of the way of life. It was just because we took the care. Just because we took the care of it. So simple, and yet so easily missed. So easily ensnared we can be by this. To fall away, to stumble on account of him. When we didn't have to because he has given us words. Words that produce faith. To make us withstand the devil. Steadfast in the faith. Sterile, steadfast, solid rock. Immovable unflinching, making the opposition budge, and we'd be unbudging. We'd be unbudging today because we have made the care go away from us. We threw it on God. We cast it on God. It's not ours. We're carefree today. Amen. That's the message for the day. Carefree. And devour free. Yeah.